This week, we have a little fun as we take a lighthearted look at Joseph Smith's loyal companion, friend, and pet, Old Major. Dr. Alexander L. Baugh shares the tenuous nature of historical sleuthing. Often, disparate references are all that scholars have to reconstruct the past. In this case, they include a library collection found, a newspaper clipping remembered, a memoir referenced, and letters written, coupled with Dr. Baugh's expert knowledge of the Missouri period. Each item provides an important piece of the puzzle. Dr. Baugh hopes his work uncovering the footprints of Old Major will help listeners gain insight into the personality of Joseph Smith and his time in Liberty Jail with his loyal companion. The story of Joseph's English Mastiff paints a relatable human picture of the prophet that we don't often hear, read, or talk about. This podcast is the first episode in our special triple cast in remembrance of the martyrdom of Joseph and Hiram Smith. If you like what we're doing at LDS Perspectives, be sure and like our Facebook page in order to keep informed of the ongoing work of our scholar guests. Welcome to LDS Perspectives Podcast, where we interview amazing LDS scholars about Mormon history, doctrine, and culture. Laura Harris-Hills, and I'm here today with Alex Baugh, who is the chair of the Department of Church History at BYU. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your training and your areas of research focus? Well, it's good to be with you, Laura, and I'm always excited to talk about historical subjects associated with Mormonism. Believe it or not, I went to Utah State and majored in marriage and family studies, I was teaching seminary for the LDS Church in Bountiful when they came out with a master's degree in Western American history. And I thought, well, that'd be kind of neat. Got my degree in that, a master's, and then uh, went on for a PhD at BYU in American history with an emphasis in Mormon and Western American history. You're also kind of known as our Missouri guy now with your expertise on the Missouri War and that period of time. You're one of the editors of a couple volumes from the Joseph Smith Papers on the Missouri era, but you wrote an article for BYU Studies Quarterly, Volume 56, Issue 4, that we're going to talk about a little bit lighter than the topics you usually write about. Okay. Well, I I probably ought to tell you how I even came across to writing this. That's what I was going to ask you in the next question. (laughs) Why did you decide I'm going to go from writing about the Missouri War to Joseph Smith's pet? (laughs) Well, first of all, I like all aspects of early Mormon history. But I have tried to be the type of person that you, you, you become an expert in kind of and focus your research and your writing in in kind of a specific area. But this is most interesting. I I really do want to share this. Most people in Mormon history know about Jack Welch. Jack Welch is the editor of BYU Studies, BYU Studies Quarterly now, BYU law professor. And he's a dear friend, and he's always bouncing things around. A couple of years ago, Jack was investigating what is called the Honey War 
it was a border war between Iowa and Missouri, this disputed boundary line between Missouri, which was a state, and Iowa, which was a territory. This dispute went all the way to the Supreme Court in 1849, and they finally settled it. But what's interesting is Boggs, Wilburn W. Boggs, called out the militia to try to settle this dispute. And he called me and said, I, I'm really interested in doing some research on the honey war and, and the, this going all the way to the Supreme Court. And I had a, a kind of an interest in it, but not a real interest, but it was, it kind of shows you the type of person Boggs was. Uh, he's not afraid to call out the militia if he feels like that's the way to settle the dispute. And of course he did that with the Mormons. The interesting thing was, so he goes back, Jack goes back to Des Moines, Iowa and goes to the Iowa Historical Society and he finds this Hawkins-Taylor collection. In this Hawkins-Taylor collection is this guy, well, he puts together these, just a massive collection of papers, but part of the papers contained a letter in a newspaper published in the Keokuk Post by A.W. Harlan. And A.W. Harlan lived in Lee County, Iowa, just across from Nauvoo. In 1888, he writes this letter, A.W. Harlan, to the editors of the Keokuk Post, in which he says, I visited with Joseph Smith. I popped over there once in a while and we'd visit one every, every so often. And in that letter, he mentions that, well, maybe I'll, I'll read it. That would be great. The letter is published February 17th, 1888. And Harlan wrote the following. I visited Joseph Smith at Nauvoo several times, say about once each six months. I have ate with him at his table and played with his dog. And on noticing that the dog was getting old, I said to Mr. Smith, your dog is unusually fat. Yes, said Mr. Smith, he lives as I do and shall as long as we both live. And then added that when he was a prisoner in Missouri, that the dog could not be separated from him. And for months when he slept, that dog always remained awake by his side. And then alluding to Joseph Smith's character, Harlan good-naturedly added, the man that will reciprocate the fidelity of a dog cannot be altogether bad. Now, Jack said he found this. He calls me up and says, this is the most interesting thing. Have you ever heard about Joseph Smith's dog being in the jail with him? And I said, no. I said, this is fascinating. And I said, uh, he says, I can't understand how that could happen. And I said, I think I know. And he says, really? He says, well, maybe you could put something together on that. And so Jack's discovery of this letter led me to go, I, I, I know a little bit about that dog. This was new to me. I did not know he had a dog. I don't think it's in, in any manuals. This is cutting edge research, Alex. <laughs> well, you were the first. You scooped everyone. Well, you're very kind. I, I just think it's, it, it makes for a great story because it tells us a little bit about the personality of Joseph Smith. And, and you think about it, you know, people become very affectionate towards pets and dogs are number one. Joseph had an endearing love for this dog. There's not a lot of sources, but there's, there was enough to kind of pull that all together and say, uh, what does this tell us about Joseph Smith and his family and love, his love for animals? This is quite unusual for people to understand a little bit about that Joseph had a deep love for, for God's creatures. It's quite, quite remarkable. Which is not really a stretch when you realize he came from a farming background. But let's get into the nitty gritties of your research. Okay. 
How did Joseph Smith get his dog? Okay, so fortunately, again, uh, there's a Missouri connection, and I have tried to immerse myself in a lot of Missouri stuff. George A. Smith mentions in his memoir, now George A. Smith was on Zion's camp, a group of Mormon volunteers who were marching to Missouri. He was one of the youngest members. I think he might have been the youngest. George A. Smith later becomes a historian in the church, and he writes a narrative of the day-to-day account of the Zion's camp. And he mentions in his narrative on June 4th, 1834, the Zion's camp, it's actually the camp of Israel, but we call it Zion's camp. They are crossing the Mississippi River from Illinois over into Missouri. It was on that occasion that the oldest member of the company, a man by the name of Samuel Baker, presented Joseph Smith with this dog. It appears that Joseph had probably, during the trip, had become very friendly towards this dog and had kind of, you know, I'm sure he stroked him and patted him and, and, and the dog kind of took to Joseph. During that same time frame, uh, Samuel Baker noted, or George A. Smith noted, that Joseph was kind of worried about his life. This dog could maybe serve as kind of a guard dog for him. So Samuel Baker presented this dog while on Zion's camp to Joseph Smith. There was just an immediate attachment, and he was very accepting of this dog. And during this same time, right at this same time, there's kind of this cantankerous camp member named Sylvester Smith. Most people who know much about Mormon history have read about Sylvester Smith. He was really kind of an ornery guy. There was an incident in which he and a bunch of men had come into the camp, and the dog got kind of unruly kind of protecting Joseph Smith. And uh, he became very upset with Joseph Smith's dog and he wanted to kill the dog. If that didn't raise Joseph Smith's blood pressure, one night the dog was barking a little bit and Sylvester Smith kind of came unglued there. So there was this Sylvester Smith wanting to kill Joseph Smith's dog. And Joseph Smith said, you kill that dog, I'll I'll whip you. So Joseph kind of came to the defense of the dog. That story's well told in in Mormon uh, history. And when they get back, from Zion's camp, uh, Sylvester Smith uh, presses charges against Joseph Smith for some of his actions and activities. Uh, Joseph Smith was uh, not found guilty, but one of the incidents that was brought up is that Sylvester Smith wanted to kill this beloved dog of the prophet. So that's kind of where I had some background knowledge and information that I knew about this dog. But that's about all George A. Smith tells us. But there's other sources that tell us a little bit more about the dog. One of Joseph Smith's 10,000 lawsuits (laughs) with his dog. Okay, it was supposed to be a guard dog, so obviously it wasn't a Yorkie or a Chihuahua or even a Labrador. What breed was Old Major? Okay, this, uh, this comes from Joseph Smith's granddaughter, Inez Smith. She, of course, was very familiar with family tradition, family lore, family experiences. And she wrote in her book about the early story of the church. It's called The Story of the Church. Uh, She wrote that this was a a great mastiff, an English mastiff. Now, if you know much about dog breeds, this is one interesting breed. It's a very large dog, very massive dog. Males can get up to over 200 pounds. They're very protective of their masters. They can be very docile and very you know, a a real nice temperament, but you get them upset, they'll 
come to the defense of their, their master. It's just a perfect guard dog. You can just see why Joseph would uh, love this dog. There's uh, several colors, and uh, Joseph Smith III said it was a white dog. It was probably a silver mastiff. Uh, it had kind of a white silvery coat. But they have a very large head, a black mask or um, face, and drooping jowls. I mean, these, these dogs, a lot of them just slobber everywhere. But they're very lovable, very uh, tender-hearted. I don't know if that's the right word. But we get from the Smith family, Joseph Smith III, and Inez Smith Davis, who informed us that it was this great mastiff. And they're a, a terrific, terrific dog and very loyal, very faithful to their masters. On uh, Zion's camp, this would have been, uh, old. they called him Old Major, but uh, in 1834 at the time of Zion's camp, I'm sure this dog was full grown, probably grew to maturity within uh, nine months, uh, maybe a year, eight, 18 months for sure. Probably born in 1832 or 1833 at the latest, and uh, was probably, again, very youthful dog. But they only live about 10 years, but could live a little longer, 10 to 12, maybe even 14. But uh, he would have been young at the time. And then, of course, by the time uh, they get to Nauvoo, uh, he's getting up there in age. And Joseph, that, I think that's when they begin to call him Old Major. Let's circle back okay. to when Major was a little bit younger. The whole reason you started this research was Joseph with his dog in the jail during the Missouri incarceration period. Well, and again, this was new to me because I never quite considered it until Jack found this document and then says, can you explain that? I said, yeah, I think I can. Again, A.W. Harlan mentions in that piece that that dog was with Joseph in Missouri's jails. Now he mentions jails, plural, but I think he meant Liberty Jail. I think we have to understand that in those days, incarceration was much different than today. If Joseph Smith indeed had Old Major in that jail with him for a period of time during his incarceration, I told Jack, I said, I think I can figure out when that actually happened. What we know, of course, is that Joseph Smith was arrested on October 31st, 1838. And for the next almost month, well, it's really a month in, in almost in exact time, uh, he's incarcerated for a short time in Independence. And then he's uh, over three weeks, he's over in Richmond at a preliminary hearing in which they actually are investigating the charges against Joseph Smith. And at the end of that hearing, the judge, Austin King, uh, said there was probable cause against Joseph Smith and five other prisoners and orders them to go to Liberty Jail. So then they get moved over to Liberty Jail. And eight days later, Emma comes down with uh, Phoebe Rigdon, Sidney Rigdon's wife, did they bring Old Major then? There is a good chance that happened. Now, why would they bring him? Well, number one, here's two women traveling through Missouri. They might need a dog to kind of protect them. And while they're down there, I think Joseph goes, you know, this wouldn't be a bad idea to have a dog to kind of be with me here and protect me. Now, immediately people ask the question, would they let a dog in a jail? Well, again, in this period of time, visitors were housed in the jail all the time. Emma and Phoebe came on December 8th and 9th and stayed overnight. Uh, she'll come back again on the uh, 20th, I believe, of December and stay till the 22nd. She comes again in January. More than likely, I'm guessing she brought that dog on that first visit and Joseph got permission to house the dog 
and take care of it. As long as he took care of it, that was not a problem. Of course, he may have brought it on the 20, 20th, 21st, 22nd. And he said, hey, I miss my dog. I could use that dog. And uh, maybe she brought it then. The last time she visited with Joseph Smith is in late January, I believe January 21st. And I think she took the dog at that time because she needs to get out of town. She needs to get out of far west. The saints are starting to leave. We know that Emma left far west on February 7th. I think at that point in time, Joseph realizes that dog probably needs to go with the family. So I argue and contend and speculate, I guess, maybe, that that dog was in the jail with him at least six weeks if, he was, if she brought him in the first time. If not, she brought him the second time. She would have, that dog would have been there about a month. There's a lot of folklore about how the inmates did not like the food in the jail. I think Major would have liked it better, wouldn't have complained at all. <laughs> now, whatever he could get, I'm sure. In fact, again, in the, uh, in the article by uh, Harlan, he mentions that Joseph Smith said, he eats as I do. Uh, so he, he probably was fed the same thing the family fed with the leftovers. And I think that's, I don't know, they didn't have dog food back in those days. Uh, they just got the scraps from the table. And yeah, Joseph would have had to, to care for him, you know, let him out, let him come back in. It's, it's entirely plausible. It's just so different back in those days with visitors. Uh, when Parley P. Pratt was in Richmond jail, uh, Mary Ann, his wife, and two children stayed for three months. And uh, Laura Phelps came and visited Morris Phelps, and uh, uh, Lumen Gibbs' wife was there. So it wasn't unusual for uh, family members or whoever to stay in the jail for a short time or even a long period of time. So it doesn't really surprise me that he would not be permitted to have the dog. I think he would. They're better women than I, but I guess at least they got a meal. It might yeah, not have yeah. been a good meal, but they got a meal as long as they were with their husband in jail. Yeah, in fact, uh, Parley wrote his wife, uh, Laura, nice name, by the way, yeah. uh, and uh, told her, come on down from far west. The jail's a lot better than the shack that you're now living in. So she did come and brought the two children. So it's not unusual, uh, but you know, today that wouldn't happen. But I think most people would would raise their eyebrows and say, could, could he have a dog in jail? Well, I think it's entirely possible, yeah. Joseph is writing letter after letter while he's in jail. He really doesn't have anything else to do. Does he write about his dog while he's in jail? Yes, he does. In fact, uh, again, Emma goes and leaves far west, February 7th, arrives in Quincy, the middle of February, assuming she took the dog with her and the family. Again, possibly for protection, but that's the family dog. She goes and stays over with uh, in Quincy with, with John and Sarah Cleveland. Emma writes to Joseph Smith in Liberty Jail on March 7th. It's dated March 7th, I should say. That letter is brought to Far West. Joseph reads it. And on the 21st of March, uh, he writes her back. He's asking about the family. He says, I was sorry to learn that Frederick was sick. But I trust he is well again. That's Frederick, their little two-year-old, I believe. And uh, that you are all well, and I want to try to gain time and write to me a long letter and tell me all you can, even if old Major is yet alive. So uh, he's thinking of the family, but he's also thinking of his personal dog. And then two weeks later, on April 4th, he writes another letter and asks about the children. He writes, uh, my dear Emma... I think of you and the children continually. I want to see little Frederick, Joseph, Julia, and Alexander. Those are the four children. 
Uh, he says Joanna, that's actually Johanna Carter. That's a, an orphan girl that has gone into their home, been taken into their home. So he mentions the four children, the, the orphan child, and then he says an old major. So he writes about that dog again. So you can see he misses his canine friend. And again, why does he miss him? Well, he was in the jail with me for several weeks, and I, I hope he's still okay in your, your care and keeping. So again, just another little allusion to uh, his love and affection for, for uh, old Major. Let's talk about what you found out about Major's Nauvoo years. Do you know if he was an inside or an outside dog? That's hard to say, but I think he's probably an outside dog because he's so big. But at times he would get, uh, I, get to, I guess you'd say, get to stay in the house. We have an account of a Charlotte Cole who recalled a time when she and her brother attended an evening meeting at the prophet's home. And it was particularly a cold night. And Old Major was lounging in the room at the time. So he's indoors at the time. Uh, this meeting was about to begin. And Charlotte recalled hearing Joseph say, quote, it is too cold tonight to turn the dog out, unquote. And then addressing his four-legged friend, he said, Major, you can go under the bed. And Charlotte Cole rep reported, she says, to her surprise, the dog did as he was told and stayed there while we held the meeting. Uh, that dog understood his place in the home, but I think we could say it was probably an outdoor dog. That would probably be, make a lot of sense. But there were some cold nights and in the winters and, and probably cold uh, evenings and, and even days, they would probably let the dog in to to kind of keep warm because, uh, uh, again, it's, it's as cold for them as it is for, for humans. So, uh, so yeah, they, uh, they, it was probably an outdoor dog, but uh, sometimes got the privilege of being indoors. Have you learned anything about the history of any other pets or work animals that Joseph Smith might have had? Yeah, and this is, uh, I'd read this as well from the Times and Seasons. Now, Joseph Smith is accused of getting rich on the church, you know, kind of uh, being supported by the church. So people are obviously saying, well, yeah, he's got this large following and he's and acquired a lot of things. Well, the Quorum of the Twelve responded to that charge in a general conference talk and, um, or a general conference talk, apparently Joseph mentioned what he had and that he really doesn't have that much money and that, that many material things. And so the Times and Seasons reported on that. This was uh, the Quorum of the Twelve statement, quote, when Brother Joseph stated to the general conference the amount and situation of the property of the church of which he is a trustee, he also stated the amount of his own possessions on earth. And what do you think it was? Uh, they said, we will tell you. His old Charlie horse given him in Kirtland two pet deer. Oh my gosh. Now, deer are not domesticated, but what's he doing with two pet deer? Well, uh, he's got them. Two old turkeys. I can see that one. Raising some turkeys for, you know, for food. Uh, and four young ones. The old cow given him by a brother in Missouri. And then he says his old major dog. And then he talks about his family, his wife, children, and a little household furniture. And this is the amount of the great possessions of that man whom God has called to lead his people in these last days. I think it's fairly evident he, he doesn't have a whole lot. But it, the interesting thing is he mentions not only his kids, but his, his dog and some rather strange animals that he's uh, raising or fond of. And kind of gives you a, an idea that he really did love the, the animal kingdom. 
and that uh, he was appreciative of the fact that uh, this was a tender heart of Joseph Smith. What happened to Major after Joseph died? Do we know? The uh, account we have is that uh, on the day of the martyrdom, uh, one of the things we we understand is that these types of dogs, the, the Mastiff can sometimes sense imminent danger or trouble or problems. It's just kind of an innate sense they have. And on the occasion of Joseph and Hiram being taken to Carthage, apparently Old Major made an attempt to actually go with them, jumped out of the window and tried to follow them. Obviously, he couldn't go too far with uh, them on horseback and so on. Following the martyrdom, uh, we're told that, uh, and again, in family lore, uh, Old Major attached himself to uh, Joseph Smith III, became a very fond friend of, of this oldest son of Joseph and Emma. I think by this time he's getting quite up there in terms of his age. And so I don't think the uh, he, he survived many more years. His last years were, you know, just with the family, but with a particular attachment to Joseph Smith III. So that kind of ends his story a little bit. You know, Latter-day Saints have a unique perspective of, and, and quite frankly, unique doctrine concerning animals. And that is, of course, we believe that they are indeed God's creations and that they too will be resurrected and enjoy, as we know from section 77 of the Doctrine and Covenants, an eternal felicity. Joseph was at one time known to say, according to Orson Whitney, that he hoped to have uh, his, his horse in the eternities. Well, if he wanted to have his horse, a probably more affectionate friend would be his dog. Of course, we believe in the resurrection of, of man and beast. We'll have hoped that their, uh, their pet friends and uh, close animal friends uh, will be theirs in the eternities. And Joseph Smith was certainly one of those. And this was a popular concept, at least in Victorian culture, because the second most popular novel of the 19th century is about heaven and who'll be there. And it was pretty much everybody in their settee with the family around them. That concept of life being imitated in heaven was very present in religious dialogue, don't you think? Absolutely. And why not include the family dog? Exactly. Uh, it's a something I think most, like I say, saints in those days could relate to. And really, I think we still do today. Oh, yeah. I told my son when his bird died, he'll be in heaven with you. <laughs> so this presentation you made at NHA last summer has gotten some notice besides being published in BYU Studies Quarterly. It was also in the church news. So probably top leadership know about Joseph Smith's dog now. What do you think we need to do, Dr. Baugh, to get a life-size replica of Major added to the diorama in the Liberty Jail at the church <laughs> historical site. Well, believe it or not, I've actually thought of it. Uh, wouldn't that be nice to put in uh, in the jail with him some you know model form of an English Mastiff? Uh, I've also found, for example, that uh, they had a stove, at least upstairs. So I do know there is talk of that, actually, that uh, they were going to do some some things that will make the Liberty Jail kind of a little more accurate. But wouldn't it be nice, Laura, if we could have that dog in there. And can you imagine the, as visitors visit the replica jail, what they would say is they come in and see a dog sitting on the floor, maybe lounging. Wouldn't that uh, kind of create a nice um, 
piece of uh, talk and uh, insight to Joseph Smith and uh, and his Liberty Jail experience. I think it would be great. Okay, and when they're redoing it, and they need to turn all the figures around. So just Joseph Smith isn't writing the letter off in the right. corner by himself. My friends at Joseph Smith Papers would like that. So when we go off air, you I know you know the names. You tell me who I need to put on the hot seat to make this happen. I think we need, we need more accuracy. There's no question about it. Because again, uh, people look there and see things and automatically go, that's the way it was. Well, uh, maybe we haven't got everything right. Thanks for spending so much time with me today and our listeners. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Laura. I hope it was worthwhile. And again, I think it paints a picture of Joseph Smith that we probably don't always hear about or read about or, or even talk about. But something that, again, gives us a little more affinity towards him. Be sure to check out LDSperspectives.com to subscribe, catch up on past episodes, download transcripts, and find show notes. LDS Perspectives podcast is not affiliated with The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The opinions expressed represent the views of the guests or the podcasters alone. While the ideas presented may vary from traditional understandings or teachings, they in no way reflect criticism of LDS church leaders, policies, or practices.